You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hey, everyone. Welcome to season two of The Guidepost. We have two awesome people, really interesting topics, totally stoked about the episode today. But before we get started, don't forget, if you have comments or questions, send it to comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. If we read it on the air, you will win yourself a brand new pair of Costa Del Mar sunglasses. So today, my, my co-host, my partner in crime, my buddy in conservation and chairman of the Guides Association, Peter Jenkins, owner of Saltwater Edge, is joining us. How are you doing today, my friend? Doing good. Doing real good. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Hallelujah. And, uh, and our special guest today is Mike Hogan, none other than Mr. Hoagie Lures himself. We're super stoked not only to have him on today, but to have him as a sponsor of our uh, False Albacore tagging project. So, Mike, how are you doing? And thank you so much for joining us, buddy. Well, I'm doing great. And rather, I'd like to say thank you guys for having me on. I'm super excited to be part of the, well, part of everything, really. But, um, you know, what you guys have going on is like very inspiring for um, those of us in the industry and, and really looking forward to, um, you know, our future project with the Albies. This is, this is great. So always have oh, time man. for you we, guys. We had a, we had a conference call about that yesterday or the day before or something. And I could, I could just hear the excitement in your voice. You know what I mean? Like all the, all the crazy plans and cockamamie ideas. And, and somehow I feel like we're going to come out on the other side of it and it's going to be as awesome as, as, uh, as I, as I hope, uh, you know, as we all hope it's going to be, but I digress, you know, so, Peter, Peter is here because I think Peter's the poster child for better business through conservation. Um, he walks the walk every day and through his awesome connections at saltwater edge, we've been fortunate enough to meet folks like yourself, um, who, who also believe in that mantra of better business through conservation so i'm going to cut loose and shut up and let y'all kind of talk about that because i know no, i know fish policy right and and y'all are y'all are the thought leaders in this area so i mean peter take it away you know uh sure tony why, why is this so important to all y'all you know well you know one of the things that uh, we had a great success here back in april with uh amendment seven and striped bass and we put out a lot of work over a long time to get it striped bass uh get some of the decisions we did um that put striped bass on a road to recovery or at least make it more certain over the next uh better part of two decades you know is how long these amendments last um and you know hoagie was a very important in that and i think of all the companies that we deal with and all the companies I see involved in various different projects. And they get asked for this, donate that or do that or use your email list or all this other kind of stuff. But I don't hear them get thanked very often. And so the purpose here, job one, is for me and the American Saltwater Guide Association to thank you, Mike Hogan and Hoagie Lures, for your support with Amendment 7 
Um, well, it's and, our pleasure. No thanks needed. It's just the the right thing to do. So, uh, very excited. I appreciate that. You know, I think I think you're right. You know, um, I I would ask you though. So, for Hoagie Lures itself, um, I know uh, you started pouring these plastic lures on your own um, and selling them on your own, and certainly evolved a lot from there. So, maybe a bit of the history of Hoagie Lures and where conservation, you know, fits in. You know, is it? Uh, you know, obviously you're the you're the big cheese, you're Hoagie, you know, so uh, it must be in you and also in your company and how it behaves. So can you give us a little bit of the background of your history and, and where conservation fits? Yeah, so we've been doing this, um, you know, it's funny, time flies by, especially these days, you know, with COVID. But, uh, you know, we've been doing this for, you know, since 2006, um, or late 2006, early 2007. So we've seen a lot over the years and Hoagie's changed over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter, as you said, uh, we started off with, um, you know, just um, two sizes of large soft baits, a seven inch and a 10 inch. And those ended up being called the Hoagie Originals for obvious reasons. Those were our first mm -hmm. ones. And, um, you know, that was you know, a very local thing. And we you, were there, we're using them for striped bass initially. And then the Albies became important for the seven inch. And then over time, we evolved to all kinds of different sizes, soft baits, jigs, plugs, trolling lures. So we've sort of been all over the map and um you know we're um, headquartered here on cape cod so obviously we have um, a very strong presence in the northeast but we also have a very strong presence um you know down south and uh we we have a big tarpon following and uh you know a lot of those shallow the water tarpon take fish. delete the soft baits right yeah yeah nice you know so conservation's always been you know, part of every conversation, you know, whether it's striped bass or tarpon, there's a lot of management and snook. That's another big one. And, um, you know, so, in, in, you know, I practice catch and release quite a bit, but I also practice catch and cook. Um, yeah. Either way, um, it's important to me to have on a personal level, forget about uh, the business side of things. It's important to, you know, it's just good parenting to leave fish behind us uh, for future generations. And that's always sort of how I felt emotionally. Mm -hmm. But I'm also a strong believer in, um, well, first of all, it's it's important to have any conservation move, you know, aligned with, uh, you know, sound business ideas because, you know, we mm -hmm. all need to stay in the game. But it, it, to me, it's a no brainer that it really works. And it's, you know, maybe some challenges here and there along the way. But, um, you know, it, it's very important to us, you know, strategically. It's a bit of, it's and, a, bit of a North yeah. Star, right? I mean, you know, you know, you need sustainable fisheries to have a sustainable hoagie or a sustainable saltwater edge or sustainable anything else right if that craters boy you know um you can't fix that right so the sustainable aspect of it's uh i agree uh, part of part of uh in kind of every conversation um you know i I've, you and i've known each other a very long time but um you guys, your company has had a big commitment to um, to education, you know, and I know um, all kinds of different resources available at hoagielures.com uh, that I would encourage the listener to get in there and knock around. You you know, I always find something new and I've been going there for, you know, I don't know, a decade, right? So uh, you're very, uh, you're prolific there. But um, I know you did a nice catch and release uh, video um, a while ago. And can you take, talk a bit about, um, you know, um, some of the rigging options people might have, and can you tell us maybe some of the steps you take to, you know, to ensure a fish swims away strong? Are there, you know, I know there's, you you spend a long time on your videos explaining different rigging options. Maybe a maybe a little bit of what you've learned or or feel from a 
from a striped bass conservation standpoint would be um, some practical choices, you know. Okay, yeah, so that's a good idea. We'll rate it into stripers because every species yeah. sort of has its own nuances. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so I sort of view this dimension, um, you know, you have rigging options, you know, how you handle the fish, then also making smart choices. Because, again, I'm very mm-hmm. conservation-minded, but I do support, uh, you know, table fare, harvesting from your own backyard. I think that's yeah. a super cool thing we have going on here in New England, the ability to go do that. And uh, so as far as rigging options, um, you know, for, for starters, if you have trebles anywhere near your lure, um, gripping the barb down is a no-brainer. And I would also take that one step further to any inline hook. Now, I've been doing this a long time, and I'm not convinced it's as simple as trebles for single hooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, we have a line of poppers, and the first generation came out uh, with an inline single in the back and a treble mm-hmm. on the belly. In that first season that we were filming, I was mortified by how many stripers I was catching in the gills on that mm-hmm. single hook. Because what mm-hmm. I think was happening is they were getting the first hook on the treble because yep. stripers head hunter. from the head. And yeah. then that hook has just got to go somewhere during the fight. And I think that's mm-hmm. what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and that's where I started taking the back hook off. And we made an immediate inline change at Hoagie to, no pun intended, because it had an inline hook in the back. One of the challenges we have is making a product that works for everybody. And, you know, so, you know, the masses, you know, there's people new to fishing, season, you know, people like different rigging options. So we decided to address which hooks to use from a content perspective. And that's where uh, Peter was talking about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, rigging options. So we, the lures out with standard treble hooks they're designed to be fished with just one hook in the front whether it's Mm -hmm. a single or a treble or both hooks any rigging configuration and uh, we address it with through content and how to rig them different ways to you know accomplish different things um and so that's step number one mashing barbs Mm -hmm. down step number two reducing hooks and then step number three is deciding if you want all singles or all trebles because I was wondering, do you crimp the inline hook as well? I know you mentioned crimping the barbs. Do you crimp the inline hook as well? If I'm catching and releasing, I, I crimp everything down. And, you know, that's okay. that just okay. ups the challenge just a little bit. Why not, you know? Sure. And then that might have a question about size dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, the, uh, um, a question about uh, sizing, because I know a lot of people do come in the saltwater edge and ask, you know, I want to um, remove a treble, you know, maybe there's two and I want to remove one or something like that. And I'm going to um, start to use some inline hooks. What is your guidance on sizing when you swap out a treble, 9626 BMC standard treble for an inline? Um, what's the logic or is there any guidance, you you know, what, what's your best practice from all the rigging experience you have? That'd be good. I think that'd be helpful for our listeners. So I always felt uh, as a rule of thumb was you want the gap of the hook to be about a snug fit over the body of the lure. And that's been my rule of thumb. And you ask 100 people, you'll probably get 100 different um, answers. I tend to fish with bigger hooks than smaller hooks because you get it's less chance to get further down the gullet. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, into the... um, 
So the belly hook, I tend to, you know, that, that's my frame of reference is a okay. slug fit on the, on the lure. So it's, it's not a formula, it's a judgment, but here's what I'm looking to uh, accomplish. Yeah, and right. it depends on the length of the shaft. You know, I'll look at the hook and sort of know intuitively, but, you know, your standard inline, yeah. you know, that VMC hook that we use on a lot of our products, you know, I usually just like a, you know, it to almost fit the lure, or if it does fit, a snug fit. And if it's too wide, yeah. you can, like, hook the lure on itself, you know. Right, right. Okay, excellent. The, um, you know, um, kind of uh, um, shifting gears, we have this Albi project where we'll be tagging Albies this fall. Uh, to learn more about them, and you know, and, and Hoagie stepped up early to be very helpful with that project. And um, you know, I know you guys had a meeting a couple uh, couple of uh, nights ago to discuss the some of the details. But uh, what aspect of that project's got you uh, you know most excited? What do you what do you you must have some curiosity about Albies having chased them for as, as long as you have. Certainly an important species to Hoagie. I know we sell the hell out of epoxy chicks. Yeah, so well, albies are very important to our business as yours. It, that, you know, it's mm-hmm. no brainer. And so I do have a little bit of experience with this te- style of tagging program. Uh, mm-hmm. We were involved with a bluefin tuna study. Uh, we have a video on that somewhere on our Salty okay. Cape channel. That's our uh, content arm. So I've actually yep. watched it go down the same similar style tags. And yep. um, as I followed the the amount of information that came from that study was. Th- amazing and we coordinated that with willie goldsmith and sure. um and so i'm a closet or maybe not so closet nerd <laughs> and uh, you know and, and so like I, I was super fascinated with the data that came from that study it was amazing it was like i, I was blown away i forget the mm-hmm. time but transit times where they went how they did it and and uh, so i just know in my heart that this study is going to give us awesome data and it's funny for as important as the fish that albies are in New England, we really don't know a whole lot about them. Oh, it's tragic. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think also as the fall striped bass has, you know, been less of a an event and the spring has become the striped bass time, the albies spilled that void um, for something exciting uh, and fun to do. So I know, um, you know, you just said something to me that uh, about, um, and I, I, I want bait is really tight. I think of throwing the, um, lure that that will stand out like the albie crack or the uh, electric chicken um and um you know because the bait's so tight but i do agree I'd like to fish the edge of that and when they're looking for where that bait ball go they would find it um you know uh terry nugent a mutual friend of ours um has a great video from four or five years ago of a albie feed from on high and they really appear to be peeling the onion, working the outside of the bait ball and forcing it tighter. And then some would slash through it. You know, that and was those are the ones you're seeing. And so yes. when you're on a boat topside, those ones that are slicing through, you know, right. the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, a flat right. iceberg, but um, I got you. You know, th- those are the ones you're seeing. I target the ones that aren't, aren't in that middle. When that are, when there's that are peeling bait. the onion on the outside. Yeah. That are, yeah, no, exactly. That makes plenty of sense to me. Um, the other thing you talked about was retrieves. Um, uh, and you mentioned that the hoagie epoxy jigs, one of the ones I like um, on Albies is that slow tail because it comes small and you can retrieve it relatively slow, right? Um, the slow tail is a soft plastic with two um, tails. I don't know how to describe it. Like, a, like a twin tail? A twin tail yeah. is a sign. You're, and the right. hips are both facing out, outboard. 
in the mm -hmm. sense so that hence the, the, the reason why the lure is called the slow tail is um, you can reel it as slow as you can turn the handle and the tails have all kinds of action. It's really right. inspired um, by our, our tarpon market, you know, fishing for big fish oh, and no shallow kidding. water with heavy gear. So if you're in a flat with just a few feet of water, it'd be very easy to, you know, fish. You know, we want light, big baits, but lightweight. So you have heavy right. gear and with the paddle tails, if there's not enough weight, it's not enough structure to yeah. paddle the tail against the whole bait will just stay still. And, and you have and, to then retrieve it fast and you might not want to, right? So that's slow right. tail. That's the, that's my use in Albies is I can go yeah. slow. And people forget that slow is, is an important speed for Albies. It's funny. you watch the fleet. I love watching the fleet because, you know, I've learned a lot by how people fish by watching them and everyone's reeling so fast, so fast, so fast, so fast. Yeah. No. And, uh, which is what you do if you're using too heavy of a leader, in my opinion, but, uh, on the lighter leaders, you can, especially with the, you know, the, you know, any, any bait, but you know, you can just, you look like a wounded bait fish separated from the pack and, um, you can pick up so many fish slow. And, I, um, I know I have a, a place down towards Watch Hill that, um, I used to fish a lot cause my in-laws were down that way. And I just had a spot where they make their run along structure and then they generally, you know, fan out or dissipate a little bit and there's lots of blind casting and that's what I would do. I get my keep my lure in the water or fly and just keep it slow. They're gonna freight train a piece of stunned bait, you know? Um yeah. and just it, eat it on the way to the next place they're going. As you it's guys crazy are talking, when they hit like that. As as you guys are talking, I'm listening to you and and I guess, you know, all these fork tailed, you know, pelagic or semi pelagic species, the mackerel and tuna behave the same way because the most effective way, you know, during this part of summer, generally speaking, and especially like the last three years, because striped bass have been so down, we target Spanish mackerel a lot. And they're not like the little like 14, 16 inch Spanish mackerel that you see people catching in other places. These are these are big. I mean, like 24, 25, 26 inch Spanish mackerel. Mm. They hit like a freight train. So a couple of years ago, you know, like Mike, exactly like you said, you're watching people and you know, I mean, they're trolling at like eight knots, man. I mean, with like drones, you know, the, the rods are bending and throbbing and people are running up to the schools with spinning rods and just burning them as fast as they can back. And I guess that can be effective in some regard because our Spanish mackerel are mixing with like small bluefish and small stripers. So, you know, if you burn it really fast, maybe you can avoid, you know, catching small stripers and really target the Spanish. So, you know, couple of years ago, six, seven years ago, I'm, I wanted to catch Spanish and I throw out and I got one of those big knots on the fly line, you know, boom, right up to the guide. And I'm like, oh, and I'm, you know, all the fish are boiling and I'm sitting there picking it out, picking it out, picking it out. Right when I get it out, wham, giant Spanish mackerel slam my fly. And I'm like, wait a minute, like what just happened there? And I, I throw out again on the edge of the school, just like you said, you know, not, not in the melee, but like, and what I've found is those Spanish mackerel will just swim concentric circles around that school and pick off her bait and if you throw your fly out and just let it sit and kind of drift with the boat like maybe mm -hmm. 50 feet away from the melee you'll end up catching more and bigger spanish mackerel than if you spend all day you know making 10 times as many casts ripping them in as fast as you can you just make it look like a hurt little fish slow as you can just put it in there and pretty it, interesting love listening it, to it, this, you know? if i didn't sell slow tails this would be a secret I wouldn't be talking about on a podcast. That was always my, <laughs> and that was always my uh, <laughs> uh, best kept secret is just slow and low working the uh, perimeter. Yeah. And, and uh, especially um, 
when they're keyed in on the peanut bunker, that little that little slow tail is like the perfect size and pro tail too, uh, yeah, yeah. profile to um, imitate the bait. But yeah, that's I think that out of all the out of all the tips for Albies, that slow mm-hmm. and low work in the perimeter is probably one of the less practiced techniques. Um, yeah. Glad yeah. that came up. Well, thank you for that. Um, the um, uh, so um, you know I know you're a gardener and. Uh, um, I know you uh, have really you know gotten into it over the last couple of years, and you mentioned a striper recipe. Is there a nice striper recipe uh, that you know the the you, you catch a striper in the morning and you go out in your garden and make a couple of selections? And uh, is there a particular way you like striped bass in the summer? Yeah, recipe it's funny. I, and so I'm very simple with stripe. For example, I um, I cook a lot of bluefish too. And I, yep. I probably have a more exciting bluefish recipe than I do striper. <laughs> but um, you know, with stripers, I I um I do a lot of pan roasting. I have a fire pit and a grate that I put over the fire pit, and so mm. I'll mix uh, clarified butter and a little canola oil, and I'll you know so it gets that like golden crust to the fish just with the yeah. salt. I dry it out with some salt, and then so striper I view as a vessel for great sauces, and mm-hmm. so depending on what I have growing in the garden. Um, I might make like a, to, you know, I had last year I had a big crop of corn and some of it made it. <laughs> so I had <laughs> half a dozen years of corn, but my, um, um, my favorite recipe there was like, you know, just making a little corn and tomato and basil salsa for it. And, uh, you know, I like picking stuff from the garden. Um, that sounds bluef- awfully good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just whatever you got, just keep it fresh and, and small, you know, I, I like a barely legal fish to keep and I throw the big girls back and, yeah. uh, and I uh, just keep what I'm going to eat that night. I don't stock the freezer and it's a seasonal right. thing for me. So sure. That's good. The, uh, I figured there had to be a connection when you, when we last time we were together, we were talking about the garden, you know, and so well, hold was, on a minute. I like, I like eating small bluefish way better. Than the <laughs> Go ahead. What do you feel the same way, Mike? Is that what 100%. you said? Yeah. I mean, I like striped bass as a vessel for good sauce. Um, and you know it's a it's a great fish. Don't get me wrong, but um, out of all the wonderful fish we here have on the Cape, it's not my first choice. I may mean, like it, but yeah. Uh, but bluefish. It was a book. It came out in the mid '80s by John Hershey, uh, the novelist. Uh, Blues. And just as background for the book, it's a dialogue between fisherman and this uptight New Yorker uh, who goes by Stranger in the book. So the book's a dialogue between fisherman and stranger. In this uptight New Yorker on vacation for the summer, befriends the fisherman, and they go out fishing every day. Um, and John Hershey, it's a fiction book, but John Hershey really uses it to share, like, the, you know, the naturalism in the area, you know, the entomology of all the stuff. It's, it's an amazing book. And uh, in there, there's a dialogue for a bluefish recipe, and it's um, marinated in soy. You have to buy the book to get the full recipe. Uh, uh, it's it's a, it's marinated in soy, dry vermouth, fresh chopped ginger, fresh chopped garlic, fresh chopped scallions. Now in the book he puts dill, and I have my dill's going amazing this year. And I put it in every once in a while to remind myself that I don't actually like it as much with the dill in it. Uh, but sometimes <laughs> I put the dill, and sometimes I won't. And then that goes in the fridge for um, he has four to six hours in the book, but I don't do it that long. And um, and then the next step is dredging it in flour. I skip that step. 
And then after it's dredged in flour, he plunks it in um, pancake batter. Mm. Um, as simple as you can get. I, I, I use the Pepperidge Farm pancake batter, but it all works. Bisquick will work, whatever. And then you deep fry it in a wok in peanut oil. And mm. the soy, it turns the fish. But if you do it in the flour first, it'll come well, out. Well, like he just won, he just won me over. Yeah. As soon as he said pancake batter and peanut oil, I, I not not for nothing. I, I want you to know I bought that book this morning because we were talking about it on our conference call, and it was so intriguing. When you, uh, I, I popped on, uh, I popped on Amazon and bought the hardcover. Yeah, it's a great uh, read. This You'll morning. love it. It's I think, a great, great book. I think I'm going to get it in a couple of days, but uh, but yeah, no, keep. I mean, you see the peanut oil. Everything, and it cooks everything like, should like, be in peanut oil. That's all I can it, say. Yeah, oh yeah, peanut oil. And so I skip the flour step because it'll come out like a chicken finger. I think it's more interesting with that. And, and it cooks. Bluefish cooks so fast. You can't. Mm. You don't have. A, you don't have any amount of time to go to the fridge to get a beer and, while it's cooking. It cooks that fast. And so I like to do it as sort of an appetizer. The company around. I'll like fly it out while I'm cooking, and um, you know. I'll, I get real nerdy with my cooking too. I always have Ting Tao, you know, the, hopefully I'm pronouncing it right. The Chinese beer, you can get a Cappy's here and it's really good. <laughs> Cappy's, and, uh, I know that. I know about and, Cappy's. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just serve it as like sort of a finger food. It's messy to eat, it's messy to clean up. But anytime I have it, there's like my company and there's a lot of people, oh, bluefish is gross. I don't need it. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. It's like, a, <laughs> it's a transformation. Now I do bleed my bluefish when I catch them. And I tend not to keep the very large ones. I'll save those for my smoker. Um, and uh, I, I take the trouble to cut out a lot of the dark meat uh, yeah. before doing that. And the strip, you know, I cut them in a, that recipe, just small little, you know, like like a chicken finger size piece of fish. But it cooks so fast. Um, yeah. But it's it's a special recipe. Um, probably one of my well, I imagine that the, 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 the uh, sales of blues uh john hershey's blues are going to surge on amazon they're going to wonder what the hell happened but it's a great book it's, it is 20 years old right mike it's i mean it's a long it that book has been around for a while yeah yeah it's yeah, all, yeah. I, I don't want to do the math but the yeah. uh yeah it's, been, it's been we were younger time. then <laughs> yeah. yeah we were younger when we read yeah so again I, um the reason we got together today mike uh, first and foremost was to thank uh hoagie and you uh for your support of uh of uh, ASGA and our work with Amendment Seven, you know, it helped get striped bass in a in a in a better place, you know, in the framework of the amendment that'll that'll manage striped bass the better part of the next two decades, you know, um, and uh, um, it's a it's a big deal. Um, we had, uh, you know, it's uh, we didn't get everything you want, you never do, but we uh, certainly got a very favorable outcome compared to maybe what it was looking like uh, even a couple of years ago. So. Uh, excited about that, and and no, we couldn't have done it without partners like Hoagie and and Sims and Costa and Cortland and the folks we've been talking to on this basically this uh, thank you tour, you know. But it is really is a sincere thank you, you know. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's funny you you're saying. Yeah, I feel like the thank you should be the other way around because guys like me, so busy doing my own thing with my blinders on, it's folks like like you guys making sure it happens and yeah, making Mike, it easy for so us to help. Mike, from our perspective you know um to get to get people like yourself involved has always been a, a super heavy lift and I, I'll, I'll be honest a lot of people don't want to take a stand on stuff because they feel like it'll hurt sales um you know they they don't want people to know that maybe 
striped bass aren't doing that well because am, am I going to sell as many striped bass lures next year if I if I come out and put my logo on something that says striped bass aren't doing well? Uh, and I've been doing this a long time. I mean, you know, talking like 20 plus years, and that has been something that has always been an uphill battle for me. Um, and kind of seeing this new generation of owners like yourself who are, are, are more than happy to stand up front and center, get in line, slap your logo on something that you believe in, and kind of walk the walk with conservation. I mean, I, from my from our perspective, the thank you goes to you. And, and I don't, you know, oh. I, it's it's been a long time coming. Um, but the 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 mood in the room is changing. And I, and I think that, I think that comes from losing so much in your life. You know, we're, I think we're all, you know, relatively close in age. And, um, and if you look at what we remember from when we were kids and, and what we remember from 20 years ago and what we have now, man, you start getting a little like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to lose anything else. Like I'm planting my flag in the sand and I want stuff to start coming back. I, I read an article the other day that, uh, you know, 2015, there was a survey and we actually had more trees in the continental, the lower 48 United States in 2015 than we had a hundred years in, in, you know, uh, 1915. So that kind of made me feel like I kind of saw that and other people would just peruse it and, you know, go right by. But I was like, well, that means something, you know, not everything's perfect, but if they can, you know, with, with the amount of population that's grown, our ability to go into the woods more now than ever, um, you know, every, all the technology at our hands. And in 2015, we actually had more trees in the ground than we did in, in 1915. That means something that means we can bring stuff back. And like the more people like yourself that get involved in this, the more believers we're going to have, the more, the more people that are going to say, you know what, I'm going to put my shoulder into that because we can make a difference. So this is a, you know, this is a village kind of thing. We all play our role. Um, and, and I know me and Peter were super happy that, that y'all signed on with Stripe Bass and, and even more happy with the Albies. Um, and it means a lot. It means, means a lot to the resource. Y'all have a big voice, much larger than I think you probably give it credit for. Um, oh, so well, I appreciate you know. that. And on a positive note, at least in my own, Mike Hogan's personal opinion, I don't feel like any of this is too late. And we're starting from like a, well, yeah, it's, it's a little sucky, and it, but it could get really sucky fast. But we're, we're if we roll up our sleeves and just use a little common sense, and you know, there's short term, then there's long term stuff. And business mm-hmm. talk about the capability trap. So like a lot of times to fix something, you go way the wrong way first, and then long term, you know, the curve goes up over break even. And, you know, it's had me to hear you say that comment about people in the industry. Oh, we don't want to touch that notion that they're bad. It'll hurt sales. Well, that, A, that's bad parenting. And B, like, you know, leave fish behind us. And B, like, it, it, it's, it, it's short term. Like, I don't even agree with it. But you right. could maybe argue that short term is good business. But long term, it's not. And we're all yep. here for the, the long road long to term. save these awesome stripers from being in a spot. We can't fix them and get in front of the Albies before. I mean before there's any problems it's it's you know i think also one one of the things that 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 uh that um education does and i know your company's committed a great deal to education um 
you know, it, 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 it helps fishermen have success. And after they have success and they enjoy it, they, they're more likely to become an advocate to uh, step up and, and try to make a difference about something because they just had kids and want their kids to be able to enjoy this or whatever it might be. But I think, you know, it, the, the, um, you know, that, that, that long-term view is the is the is is the is the way to go. And uh, you know what, you Peter? Know. You know what Lefty always said, and I think Mike embodies it. Um, he always said the knowledge that isn't shared is wasted. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, look at Salty K. That yeah. that whole thing is is a basically a giant wiki fishing wiki knowledge base <laughs> where yeah. people can go to it and and learn. And and I, you know, when when Mike talks about he designs a lure and it's it's meant for a very specific application and it solves a problem and then he designs the next lure to solve the next problem for the different species it's the same way that we approach fly fishing you know really truly the only good flies that are being produced now it's not like somebody sits down a device and says i'm going to design something new those are garbage the the good flies are when people sit down and they say i have a problem I have, I have this situation and there's really nothing that works for it. And I gotta, I gotta crack this nut and I'm going to figure out for this very specific situation, how I'm going to solve this problem. And it, you know, a lot of times it turns out to be a whole new, a whole new way to look at, at designing, you know, designing flies. And I, I'm listening to Mike talk. And the last thing I'll say about it is that the other thing that like, I really, I really like kind of about his energy is that, you never stop learning when you're fishing. Like the, the, the moment that I stop learning or get bored with fishing, I won't fish anymore. Every single time, I don't care what I'm doing. I don't care if it's a farm pond or the middle of the ocean or a river or a creek. I don't care. I always see something that I've never seen before. And in my, and it, and it does something in my mind that I'm like, do I, you know, do I have something, do I have a fly? Do I have the right fly for that? Do I have the right, you know, what do I need to do? What if I ever see that again? And then you go, you keep going fishing and you keep building on that and building on that. And you have this big body of, of this wealth of knowledge, but it doesn't mean that every time you step on a boat that your mind isn't open to learn something new. And I think, I think that's really a representation of the Hoagie brand because you, you look, you look at the knowledge base that they have on Salty Cape, and then you take it a step further and you look at the development of the, of the new products that they have and it's really, I mean, it's, I think it's awesome. And I, and Peter, to your credit, I think it makes people love fishing. I think it makes people mm-hmm. get more involved in the sport because they go out and they have a better chance. And then that little thing clicks in their head, like it clicked in all of our heads and it drives you to be better and do more and learn more and understand the fish better. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool, man. I, I, I think all of it, all of it is good for the sport. Yeah. 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 Don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. Keep it smart. Keep it intentional. And whether it's policy management, cr- tricking a finicky Alvi, a tuna, fill in the blank. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, Mike, thanks a bunch. You know, and, and uh, from the Guide Association, thank you for your support. Look forward to working with you on this Alvi project. All right. Yeah. Sleeves are rolled up. The boat is backed in, ready for a fast getaway. So let's do it. Let's do, <laughs> let's do it. Take care, Mike. Thanks a bunch. All right, for joining thanks, everybody. Us. Have a good day.